The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the Two Point Conversation Football Talk for Fans by Fans right here on the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts, and joining me uh, long distance today uh, from his uh, wonderful estate, <laughs> Mr. Brian Finch. Brian, how you feeling, bud? How's your leg doing? It's, it's all right. Uh, a, a little sore last night. And uh, I'm just waiting, waiting for Friday when I go back to the doctor and get this whole process started. Yeah. Which may require surgery, which means that you'll get more live shots of me in my bed. <laughs> so all, all you video watchers, uh, you got extra content coming your way of just me hanging out in my bed. Yeah, we can no. we can we can finally start the two point uh, only fans. That's right, that's right. Well, well, with every donation, I will take off one article of clothing, <laughs> <laughs> or put more layers on. Whatever, I'm. It's fine. <laughs> whatever no, y'all, whatever y'all are into. Yeah, uh, you basically, want, you want sweaters and scarves because you're tired of seeing more of my skin. Then yeah, we'll go that route. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, let's talk about what you're wearing right now. That is a lovely sweater you have on. It's nice, thank you. Thank you. It's a, it's a nice zip, a uh, little zip up that I uh, purchased from the local Walmart. And uh, it's cold in the studio right now. It's very fallish. Very fallish uh, everywhere right now. The heater was on when I came in this morning, but, uh, oh boy. but I had to cool it off because it was just too hot. And I forgot to put a, a, an additional layer underneath my zip up uh, this morning. So here I am <laughs> with the AC and the heat going on at the same time. Yep. So, sounds so, like Buffalo weather. Yeah, it's definitely Buffalo weather. Uh, we're doing, uh, we got some film study stuff for you, everybody. We got a lot of fun film stuff for you to t- uh, for us to talk about today. We are looking at week sixes, uh, weekend games, a lot of fun stuff, uh, a lot of cool stuff. I'm uh, I'm personally doing a Jonathan Taylor run. I'm, I get really excited when I get to talk about the Colts doing good uh, on in on television. It's always an exciting thing. So we're going to be looking at uh, uh, J- Jonathan Taylor's big 83 yard run from yesterday versus the Texans. I'll also be taking a look at uh, T.J. Watt's big big old punch out in overtime to help send the uh, Steelers home with a victory on Sunday Night Football. Brian, what are you looking at today? Yeah, I uh, was torn because Matt was over at my house uh, watching football with me yesterday, and I said, man, I kind of want to be negative. I want to show why a quarterback stinks right now. So I thought about doing Tua. I did look into it. Um, the problem is is that uh, his uh, poor passing is too boring right now for me to get into. So 
instead I was like, you know what, let's let's pick a guy that we haven't talked about who's having a phenomenal season. So I'm going with Kyler Murray from uh, their smashing of the Browns, just completely dismantling that defense. And then uh, defensive-wise, uh, once again, I was very torn on this. I thought the Cardinals' defense would have been a fun defense to look at, what they did to Baker, because I haven't seen a dude double clutch like that since I was watching NBA playoffs last year. Uh, so who did I pick for the defense? I ended up picking Ravens. Uh, the Ravens. That's yes. right. Yes. And, what, and what they did to Justin Herbert to uh, bring him back to earth because uh, Herbert is human. That is that is what I want that video to be titled. Herbert is human because we've heard nothing but exemplary things about Mr. Herbert and as we should because he has been phenomenal, but uh, you can still confuse these quarterbacks. Heck, I see Tom Brady and all his greatness still get confused from time to time. So No, for sure. They definitely had him rattled. So, uh, But let's get into it, everybody. Let's get into what we got going on, uh, get our film review underway. We're going to start off with Jonathan Taylor's uh, big-time run yesterday, uh, the handoff and uh, a bunch of uh, a ton of yards past the line of scrimmage. It was uh, it was pretty pretty beautiful. Let's go to the beginning of it. Um, and here's the situation. All right here's the situation. Uh, Colts are up seventeen to three in the third quarter. Eight minutes fifty three seconds remain, and it is uh, first and ten. The Colts are on their own twelve yard line. Let's uh, take a listen and a watch as to how this play unfolds, and we will. Uh, then we'll start to break it down right after that. From Lucas Oil. Once in company, the game just outside the 10. Taylor is his first big run. Taylor breaking free. Has a lead blocker. Taylor all the way down to the five-yard line. Terrence Mitchell saving a touchdown, but not before Taylor gashes him for 84 yards. All day we've been talking about the opportunity to get outside. All right. So there was that. Um, to our visual watchers, I think we got it. The box is pretty good. Our, our face is pretty set up, so it's not blocking anything important. So our situation for this uh, for this play, the Colts are in a 12 personnel. Very beautiful, like, vintage design. Uh, I would dare say both tight ends. Uh, and again, for those who don't, you know, are just joining us for, to try and learn something. Uh, 12 personnel means one running back, which is Mr. Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. And our, the number two, the second number always means two tight ends. So uh, and both of our tight ends are on the, you know, uh, excuse me, they're, they're both separated. It's a very balanced offensive line. Moelle Cox is on the uh, left side of the offensive line, while tight end Jack Doyle is on the right. And we have two guys wide. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't really tell. Looks like Pittman and Pascal. No, Pascal might have been out at that point. I'm not sure who the other one is. But uh, but regardless, Carson went. It is single back. But uh, yeah, very very balanced offensive line. Uh, the defense. All right, Houston's defense. We're looking at a four three. All right, we're looking at a four three, and they uh, seem to be playing some kind of zone coverage. You really tell once the play starts to unfold a little bit. But uh, they do something very interesting here, all right? Uh, well, not interesting, but it's not really, like, surprising, but it's always kind of cool to pick up on it. Uh, they disguise their cover three defense with a uh, with a cover one. So 
for you know people who don't understand what that exactly means, uh, when we list cover one, cover two, cover three, cover four, cover zero, cover six, so it's, it's basically yeah. who is who is you know how many people do they have deep? Uh, that that's basically what it is. Cover you know cover two means two people deep. Uh, right now. There are, you know, on the camera shot, on the camera shot, I want to make sure I'm not blocking anybody. Okay, I'm, I just moved my face for you all. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and we have one guy deep. All right, so there you go. Just move my face for you all. Actually, I'll move it. Oh, God, I'm moving everything. Okay. Let me. All right, I'm just going to stop touching that. So let's, uh, yeah. So that you'll see, I'll, I'll show you in just a moment where they start, where you start to see that unfolding. But they are, they do have an interesting little scenario here. There's a gentleman uh, over here on the right side of the defensive line, left end of the offense, uh, uh, but cornerback, linebacker. I, I'm not really uh, certain what what position he typically plays. Do you, do we ever identify that Brian beforehand? No, um, I mean just just I'm looking through my phone, so everything's been very awkward but <laughs> just by his size alone I, I would think that's a linebacker and then the vice versa the man that is lined up on the uh, opposite hash uh standing up where the three guys are all the texans i think that is our extra secondary player okay um i i don't know like like we definitely have the two corners outside covering the two wideouts outside but like, yeah, it's very odd the way they're choosing to match up with uh, Mo Ali Cox here. Um, normally, it, it I mean, this could be called what is like a four-three over, which means that they're purposely overloading one side of the line. So you got three defenders on the left side of the offensive line, the right side of the defensive line. So the, you would think actually that where we know that the run end up going and I was going to the left side of the offensive line is the, they're actually loaded on the the right side. Uh, the problem is, is that they get confused by some very creative um, play design here, which is when Mo Ali Cox crosses the line, uh, crosses the formation and looks like it's going to be a trap or a counter. Cause normally that's a cue to the defense that when you get a guy pull from one side to the other, post snap that it's going to be uh some kind of counter trap or um something like that so for sure yeah let's let's get let's show you what he's uh, what he's referring to from Lucas Oil. all right so here comes the hike and like he said Moelle Cox jumps across he goes across which is kind of strange uh I guess it's you know the purpose of that maybe pick up some blindside protection uh as far as what I mean by blindside is I mean for right now JT and Carson are looking at the left side of the field so tech, I would dare say that the right half the, the right half of the offensive line is kind of their blind side um and and Mo Alley, you know, he runs that way. It almost, I think, it might help sell the play going to the right, uh, to, yeah. to the defense a little bit. Um, but he actually has a very important block here. But you can also see the defense, the, the defenders, they're pulling back, they're pulling back. Right, we already had the one guy back there, but these two cornerbacks um, start to start to fall back. That's where the cover one is disguised as cover three. So let me uh, show you that one more time. All right, so you're playing up. They're in your camera view, and then they start to back up. That means they're they're kind of they're they're going they're they're going deep. Um, but yeah, so back to uh, Moelle Cox in this offensive line. We have a defender over here, 
believe it's number looks like a 60 or a 50. Uh, he's coming across on the right side of the offensive line, and this is where the, where the pull is so important. All right, if this lane is wide open, right? If we don't have anybody picking up a, 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 a defender here to block, uh, this guy can disrupt the entire play. You know what I mean? If Karst, if this is a fake handoff, right? Which obviously it wasn't, but if this is a fake handoff, Carson's done. Uh, if this guy can, what, what was the phrasing? If he can, you know, shift, uh, you know, he, he can get Jonathan Taylor from behind if he's a little bit quicker. But I think he's a little bit slow um, on his uh, on his approach to this. But Moelle Cox gives, uh, you know, a big time block. Taylor's already got the ball at this point. A uh, lot of good blocking here, yeah. except except Eric Fisher, uh, naturally. But Eric Fisher uh, does get it a very important, like a uh, we'll call it a bump so to speak, and I'll show you what that means. All right, so this guy on the edge uh, who we we discussed is probably another secondary person. This gentleman right about here, again, on the right side of the defensive line, uh, Fisher bumps him just enough to give Taylor a a running lane. Bam, little pop, and he's good. He welcomes welcomes the rush uh, knowing that he can just ride him to the outside and give – Jonathan Taylor that gap to run through. Absolutely. I mean, Taylor is so speedy, right? Even Frank uh, Reich talked about it at the F in the post game press conference. You know, you don't, you can't design and plan on runs to go 80 something yards, but that's the, that's the uniqueness of Jonathan Taylor. And he takes off. He burns everybody, picks up a big block. I think that's pa- I think that's Pascal who picks up that block and that helps him get into the red zone. Uh, and of course, Taylor with uh, you know a little bit of push off, a little bit of stiff arm, so to speak. And he's he's good. This is very wise on Pittman, though. I want to give Pittman a lot of credit too. This could very very easily go to a, a block in the back, off. Right, I think block in the back, maybe uh, you know holding to an extent. I'm not sure what where the uh, where there a lot of call holding at, but um, Pittman is very like you know hand fighting. He doesn't push the dude from behind, which he, you know, he easily could, but that would be bad. That would bring the play back a little bit. Um, he hand fights, and then he's like, okay, I've done all I can do. So I thought yeah. that was pretty wise on Pittman to uh, to approach it like that and you know get that blocking. But, yeah, Taylor's inside the red zone. Uh, yeah, one, one, one red zone to the other one on this, on this miraculous play. So it was just good fundamental. Good fundamentally. So uh, let's uh, run through it one more time. So 12 personnel. We got a single back. All right. We got two tight ends out there. Mo Alley Cox and Jack Doyle playing uh, very important roles. The defense, 4-3 zone with a cover three disguised as cover one uh, right off the top. And the most important part of this is the Eric Fisher uh, bump, a little bump block, and Mo Alley Cox kind of going on the rear side. So it opened up a huge running lane. And also, too, for the for people who want to understand offensive line, like blocking stuff a little bit too, uh, the offensive line they're run they're for the core offensive line. Their their blocking went in the direction of the run. So I mean, if you're a good defensive, you know, player like what these linebackers, not not saying that these linebackers are good, but if if you know if you're playing that position, that's how you kind of um, read a play and how it unfolds, and that's how a lot of these really big name. Uh, players can kind of break down. They look for little visual cues. You'll see the offensive line go to the left. Yeah, there's two defenders that I I specifically want to point out, and it is that guy that we were talking about that's on the hash there, lined up across from Mo Cox. 
He is the last defender on the edge. His job is to contain no matter what. You need to contain, not let anything get outside. You need to bounce that run back inside. He completely whiffs that assignment, just completely disregards it and just crashes, which is exactly what the offensive line wants. And then uh, also watch one of these linebackers that are lined up on the opposite hash um, that are standing up. They um, totally read the Mo Alley Cox motion and draws one of them to the right side. And then the run goes to the left. Right. Oh, I'm getting blowed up now. It's too early for these text messages, people. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, that very integral integral part of, of how this unfolds. So let's watch it go one more time, and I'll move on to our next play. All right, there's your pole block, Once there's your bump, just and Taylor, Taylor is gone. Good black by, block by Pascal. A little push by Pittman. Bam. Four-yard line. Five, four-yard line. And then I believe on the next play, Jonathan Taylor punches it in. I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe he does as well. So, yeah. um, so all right. So there's one play down. Not too shabby. A little, uh, little JT action there. Always happy. We haven't really spotlight. I mean, we've, we've acknowledged our running backs, but... We've never, I don't think, it's been a while since we've done like a strict like run play, like a positive for offense. Oh, I agree. So, um, yeah, it's been a little while. So that was pretty cool to do. Uh, Brian, you are up next. We got a little Kyler Murray action. What are we, uh, what are we, what are we looking at? Why are we looking at it uh, today? So there's no secret that they're the hottest team in the NFL right now. Uh, the only undefeated team remaining and they're, they're doing it in their fashion. Now, uh, narrative going into this game, you had no Cliff Kingsbury. He was out because of COVID. Uh, the OC, um, right, that was supposed to take over play calling, I think he also had to sit out um, because he was exposed. I don't think he had COVID, but I think because he was close contact. Close maybe. contact, yeah. Yeah, so they're going into this game against what we all thought was going to be a really formidable defense in Cleveland, and they're they're down there, you know, two biggest offensive minds. And it didn't slow them down at all, and it is because of the weapon that is Kyler Murray. Now, uh, what set this play up before we talk about formation and everything is um, they were they were going down the field. Um, Kyler does a nice scramble on first down to set up a short second down. Then there's that botched snap, right? Kyler's not ready for the snap. And uh, gets past them. They go back 15 yards. So it's third and 21. Uh, we're in the first quarter still. Nothing, nothing game. And uh, they, they're looking to make a big play here. So third and 21, big distance. Not a lot of favorable routes to call for third and 21. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's nice to be able to hit those big plays. But good grief, a 21-yard <laughs> conversion is, is a lot to ask for. Um so what did we come out here? Well, we came out in what you should get used to if you watch the Cardinals, which is spread shotgun formation, and uh, they're coming out in 10 personnel. Not a lot of tight end use in the uh, Cardinals. We'll see maybe with Zach Ertz getting, coming over, but not a lot of tight end use in uh, their offense. Right. No, for sure. So, all right, let's watch this play unfold, and then we'll uh, begin to break it down for you. Here we go. 21. Kyler looking to run, floats it for Kirk in the end zone, tiptoes his way in. It's a touchdown. What a toss and a better catch. Christian Kirk's third touchdown of the year. One. Yeah, that's a dime. 
I dare say so. You know, we yeah. we're we're very anti over usage of the word dime, but uh, but yeah, I, I would dare say that's a dime. So so yeah, so like you said, ten personnel uh, and shotgun for Kyler Murray in the offense here. What are we looking at for the defense? <laughs> yeah, we have, uh we're gonna just call it a a, a nickel. Yes, and uh, use it in its most generic broad. Uh, way as possible because I know I have two guys that are clearly defensive linemen and their hands are in the dirt. And then uh, I have a handful of linebacker esque players all standing up kind of hovering around the line of scrimmage. It's one of those um, purposely confusing purposely trying to get a free rusher by just confusing the offensive line, not knowing who's coming, who's going those kind of things. Um, but what we do end up settling on once it's the ball is snapped is it ends up being what we think to be maybe a quarters or a cover four. Those two zone coverages are very similar in the way that they use the safeties and the cornerbacks to um, divide up the field for assignments. Uh, so the ball ends up going to our man, Christian Kirk, and he is lined up as the two wide outs that are closest to each other. Uh, around the 23-yard line there, yep. And uh, Christian Kirk is lined up on the inside as the true slot. And then, uh, what were we saying, that was Moore that's lined up next to him. Correct, immediately to his left, yep. Yep. So we're going to run a what we're calling a post-corner route here, which is a good uh, deep route, but what you, you need time for post-corner. And having Kyler Murray, the biggest blessing in all this is that he creates his own time. He he doesn't wait for the offensive line to make sure that he gets all his blocks. He knows that once he starts moving defensive guys, especially when they're in zone and their eyes are towards the line of scrimmage, not with a man, uh, they're, they're catching movement from the quarterback. And when Kyler Murray starts moving towards the line of scrimmage, it's only in their nature to start, you know, trying to figure out if they need to come closer, trying to, you know, get him on a scramble or it's just, you know, he draws a lot of attention because he's such a weapon and uh, he uses, he uses that to his best ability here on this play. And it's just, it, it is the reason why Kyler Murray, as long as he can stay healthy, which is something I'll always be concerned with, but um, he is a phenomenal athlete and he is now unfortunately diagnosing coverages at a pretty high level. And he's 100% dialed into this offense so th- this is, you know, it may be the, the year that he's a full-on franchise quarterback who can carve you up at will. For sure, for sure. So let's start to, uh, let's start to get this play underway. Uh, Brian, you can, still, can, you can still see the plays unfold, correct? From, yeah. Okay. Let me know when you want me to stop, all right? Yep. All right, here we go. Third and 21. Kyler, looking stop. to... Back it up about, uh, like... Two seconds, man. Okay. Okay, perfect. Uh, like I said, so Kyler doesn't even try and use the pocket here. I think he felt really comfortable with where he wanted to put this ball. So he wants to go to that back left pylon. And so he's going to scramble out to the left to take away some of that yardage that he'd have to throw you know, he's going to get himself closer to the line of scrimmage. He's going to get closer to the left side. And it, it gives himself a more favorable throw 
to hit this post corner. And the safety is put in a tough spot because he is supposed to take the over uh, and not let anyone get over top of him. Um, so he can't come down too fast on this wide receiver. So he ends up hanging back. And then uh, he ends up getting turned around because of the post corner. Right. I'm a little surprised, by the way, that Cleveland's playing this, but it feels like they're in kind of like a prevent defense. Like, you know what? We probably gave up the field goal already. Let's just let's just try to, you know, keep, you know, Murray from escaping. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? The, the defenders are holding up the offensive line, but they're not trying to send any additional help, which because um, they know how, how quick, you know, quick twitch, I guess, Murray thinks and can process information. But it's definitely like a like a prevent style defense. And Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, Matt, look at those linebackers lined up at those, you know, two hashes right there at the like the what, yeah. 13 yard line. Yeah, they're not all eyes on Kyler. Just watching them, watching for something to happen. So, um, all right. So let's play this forward a little bit more. Kyler looking to run, floats it for Kirk in the end zone, tiptoes his way in. It's a touchdown. Great route. I wish we had a better angle, um, you know, an all 22 look at it because the post corner uh, has Christian Kirk looking like he's going to curve back to the middle of the field, and that's when he turns it back towards the pylon, and that's what gets the safety all turned up. Yeah, it was a nice move. I, I think I talked about it last week or maybe the week after, but these uh, I mean, these bunch formations are, are, are terrific, right? They're very great. When you have two wide receivers running simultaneously next to each other, it's very easy to, for for coverage and stuff to get mixed up, right? You're, you, these for the defender's sake, you're in the spur of the moment. Who's my guy? Do I know my guy? If this guy goes, you know what I mean. All the, there's so many, there's a lot of thinking going on in your head, and yeah. they, you know, uh, Moore runs a, a go route. He just stays straight, and, yeah. and then and then, uh, excuse me, Kirk uh, runs that little post or is it post out route, corner route. Um, yeah. Post corner, yep, and you know it, it kind of throws off, and he's got a. I mean, he's got more than a, a, a step uh, on, mm-hmm. on this gentleman. So uh, let's watch it unfold a little bit further, so you can see what Matt, we're referring to. Oh, Matt, sorry. Remember last week when uh, we played the the Broncos um, clip of Cortland Sutton, and he runs that terrible route. Yes, yeah, that's also a post corner. Just just so everybody knows. Um, now this is a deeper post corner, but it's still. The, the same combination uh, in, in route running, which is it's three moves together at the top of your route. So you start running straight, and then uh, once you hit your depth marker, whether it's 10, this one's probably 15 uh, yards down the field, you, you hit your first po- um, marker, and you got to turn in, right? And then you got to turn out, right? And then you got to clear and wrap around the safety and what did Cortland son did? Uh, he ran straight and then just started curling. <laughs> <laughs> so the line, the, the, the whole time, the secondary was like, Oh, okay. I know where he's going with this. This one, the safety literally does not know because of the athlete that Christian Kirk is. And the fact that Moore also is running straight down the field, um, kind of into his zone. Right No, it, it sold it tremendously. So let's watch it one more time. So you can kind of get an idea of what we're looking at. 21. All right, Kyler goes out of the pocket, Kyler, makes look. some room, 
and he throws. He sees that Kirk has the break. Look, he's got more than a stop. This dude, I mean, that's that's. I mean, I wouldn't say that's wide open, but that's considered open in the National Football League is when you have a guy mm-hmm. with that much separation uh, between it. And and he's got the right angle. And Kyler put the ball in the right spot. You know, these out routes are 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 timing routes. If I'm, I think that's the best terminology. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a defender run up and just snag it and go the other way with it with a with an out route. Because, but Kirk has the right angle on it. He has the right amount of separation, and 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 kudos to Kyler. He put the right amount of touch on this oh, yeah. on this ball as well, and put it in the perfect yeah, spot. The, the play does not happen without a accurately thrown touch pass, which is exactly what Kyler, he he can change speeds on balls as well as anybody in the league right now. For sure, for sure. Well, and there it is. Yep, there it is. Nice ups too. Kirk in the end He's zone. Got it. And good, good uh, spatial awareness too. Getting those feet down, yep. and uh, putting that thing away. So, yeah, fantastic, fantastic play there. Goes his way and in. A it's a touchdown. We thought we thought this game, and we, we thought the uh, Chargers Ravens games were going to be. Man, you can't wait for these, and then it's just one team's clearly in a different spot than the other team. A lot of disappointment. That is that is for sure. All right. We're going to move on to our defensive looks now. All right, and I will uh, I will kick us off, as I stated before, with uh, T.J. Watt's big punch out last night to set the Steelers up for a uh, game-winning field goal in overtime. All right, it was, I mean, like the ending was crazy. It was a very wild game. Uh, and again, on paper, it didn't sound appealing at all. Geno Smith versus Big Ben Roethlisberger. Ooh, that really makes me moister than an oyster. But the game, uh, the actual way that the game played out was uh, it was not terrible for Sunday Night Football. I've seen, trust me, I have seen a lot worse. So um, the situation here, both teams have uh, have had drives at this point. So the next score wins. Field goal, touchdown, does not matter. And uh, the Seahawks literally just got the ball back. They're first and 10 on the 15-yard line. All right, first play from getting the ball back, and this is what happens. Let's uh, let's take a gander and uh, and watch the play unfold. Still in next score wins mode. Maybe the last time your offense sees the ball. Geno Smith will drop deep. He'll pump. He'll take it. Lost the football. Knocked out by one. Recovered by Devin Bush, who circles the right way. He almost lost the ball, but he's got it at the 16. And the and sad Geno Smith. Very sad. And understandably so. That's a heartbreaker. He's got so much pressure on him right now to perform and get this team where they expect him to be. We all know that Geno Smith is not Russell Wilson. If he was Russell Wilson, Geno Smith might still be quarterbacking the Jets right now. But he's not. Um, yeah, it was a... Unfortunate. Sadly and unfortunately, it was a very classic Geno Smith kind of moment. Yep. Um, not good. Not good at all. So our uh, our setup here for this one. All right, the offense is in 12 personnel. I believe that's Disley and Freddie Swain on the right-hand side of the offensive line. I think those are really the only two tight Maybe Everett's out there. Maybe Everett's out there. Um, I, Everett, I, I thought was supposed to be out, but I did see his name uh, in the game yesterday. And they're in single back. All right, Gino's right up on the line. Very tight formation. And uh, looks, I mean, relatively good protection. 
DK Metcalf is in motion currently. I believe it's Metcalf and Lockett are the uh, are the two wide receivers. It make, only makes sense that the two wide receivers out there. Pittsburgh, they're in a three four. Uh, their defense. That's kind of how they like to operate. And uh, cover two man. That's that's definitely what we've seen. I believe one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven. You can see everybody on screen. Uh, it's I guess it's depending on the way you look at it. Uh, it could be viewed as cover two right now, but I, from what I've been taught, it's disguised as cover zero. I, I don't know. I, it, that, that's again, we're 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 learning. This is a beginner's, like pretty much an yeah. intro to film room kind of course, um, and we, we will get there. I promise you that. So, uh, so yeah, let's let's start to watch this uh, this kind of thing unfold. We'll start to break it down. There's Metcalf in motion, pointing out. Uh, Maybe the Mike linebacker. Maybe the last time your offense sees the ball. All right. Goes to handoff. I don't even know who number three is. is that, that's got to be Collins. I think that, yeah, that's Alex Collins. We had a phenomenal day yesterday. But he goes for the handoff, and Gino's looking. It's kind of cool. You can see Gino looking at the, at the situation, and he's probably like, nah, don't take this. Don't take this. I'll try and figure it out. Um, which is something I've never really noticed before in a, in a, in a, like a handoff situation because uh, for those who don't know, the quarterback at this point in time has the has the you know can make the decision whether to hand the ball off by saying take it, or he's going to try and make something happen himself. And mm-hmm. obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but the safe route probably would have been like, yeah, Collins, you go do what you got to do. But he sees a breakdown. Gino uh, falls back. He's starting to make his reads. He's looking both ways. All right, but Steelers have it well protected, well covered. But there's a nice little lane here. All right, there's a nice little lane here. Good pump fake, but it doesn't really do anything. Uh, maybe helps create that, that, you know, open up that running lane for Geno Smith a little bit more. And he goes off, and it looks like something. But, uh, oh, wait, there's the highest, one of the highest paid defensive players in the National Football League in T.J. Watt. And this is why he gets paid the big bucks. Coming in, breaks. Geno Smith ran right into him. This is what drives me nuts. Like, I mean... He probably thought his offensive lineman had it, but Gino was just all like tunnel vision. I have to go, and yeah. it ended up it ended up costing him. It ended up costing him. What? What? You know, is again smart defender. He he got in trouble earlier in the night for trying to punch the ball out. Instead, he was just he was just snuffing Alex Collins uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, while he was being held up, and he got like a, a unsportsmanlike kind of roughing roughing call or whatever. But um. But he gets, you know, he 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 comes in and he gets the big turnover here. He punches the ball out, and it's clearly a fumble. Lost the football, knocked out by one, recovered by Devin Bush. And Devin Bush grabs it. You know, the big thing here is just T.J. Watt's attention to detail, I think, is the most important thing. He's being held up. This dude's been triple, quadruple blocked all night. I've seen images of it. He was They, they put a lot of people on him. That's how ferocious he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Gino just again. Gino walked right into it. There he is. He's up, and TJ's aware of it. You know, while he's battling with these offensive linemen, he pushes himself back. He goes, "Okay, I got to give myself some space," and he takes the angle. It was, like I said, very, very good awareness on TJ Watt. That is why he's one of the highest paid players in the NFL. That is why he's one of the highest paid paid defensive players in the NFL. Is because he knew how to break. He knew how to get a, get some separation from these offensive linemen. 
he knew that Gino was going to try and take off, and he didn't bother wasting any time in the trenches. Gino, when he drops back to pass, and he's got that clean pocket, it he looks so confident when he's put through the ball. And then, like all night, he just he kept second-guessing himself and just not very comfortable back there. No, the confidence was a uh, definitely an issue for, for Geno Smith last night. And I get it. Very tough defense, yada, yada, yada. But you're not a felt quarterback. Uh, you know, I mean, if we had the all-22, which is, you know, still starting to come back together a little bit, but you can see how tight this coverage is. And they didn't leave themselves a whole lot of options, right? There's not really an escape valve for Geno Smith to, to go to if he if if the wide receivers are as covered. I mean, I know, get it. You throw to DK Metcalf, he's probably going to catch it. But they do have some guys deep. Um you know, Cheeto's not one of those guys, though, who's going to, you know, trust a you know a certain type of coverage that he doesn't like. If he sees a guy wide open, he's going to take that shot. But, you know what I mean, he, he's not comfortable. He doesn't have that rapport or chemistry with Metcalf at, at this point. So, But there's no escape valve. So Geno Smith has to do something to get this play kind of back on track. And yeah. uh, it ends up being their, 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 their undoing. Geno Smith will drop deep. Yep. He'll take it. Lost the football. Knocked out by one. Recovered by Devin Bush, who circles the right way. He almost lost the ball. But he's got it at the 16. And the Smith fumble forced by the defensive star. Almost sad, Geno. Yeah. I feel bad <laughs> a little bit, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the uh, my defensive play in a in a bit of a nutshell. It's a huge, huge game, um, well, huge, huge finish to the game. There's a lot of controversy at the end of regulation about time, uh, this and that. Gino did live a, lead a really good drive to kind of get them to tie and go into overtime, but um, but yeah, here in overtime, just uh, a, an absolutely crushing ender to uh, to this game. All right, Brian, it is time for our final play of the day. We are looking at the Chargers and the Ravens. All right, from yesterday. What uh, did you like about this play, What are we, uh, and why are we looking at it? It's not a big play as far as impact goes overall, but it, I thought it was a good uh, example of what was going on with Justin Herbert and how what the Ravens were doing to disguise their coverages and roll coverages over and bring blitzers from spots that weren't expected. And just changing up looks constantly really got the still rather young Justin Herbert all turned around. Uh, he admitted after game, he goes, you know, they, they gave me looks I hadn't seen and I, I was having trouble diagnosing out there and it bled into his mechanics and that'll happen. Um, I know I've used this example before, but it's one that's uh, just shows that, you know, anyone can have it happen. But I think of what Sean McDermott's defenses have been able to do to Brady. Uh, you know, the small times that the uh, small sample size of Brady matching up against the McDermott defenses, you can see him even the great, the goat, you know, not knowing where to go with the ball, getting frustrated and it bleeding down to the point where now even just simple passes, script well scripted, easy first down conversions, good matchups, and the quarterback can't pull it off because he's not trusting his reads, and then it just leads into your feet and your you know your body mechanics and everything. And that's what happened to Herbert yesterday. Is people are like, well, how is he missing these passes? I'm like, because he's not trusting anything, and he's starting to rush stuff. 
and you know it's just very uneasy and it, it was uh shocking to see because you know you're hard to predict when you know you're gonna have your first real wow you, the, the nfls can still do this moment but it was uh, gonna happen eventually and actually the ravens it makes sense they're very multiple defense a lot of players can play in different spots for them so it, it actually all made sense that they they match up well with the chargers they did uh i mean i gotta give kudos to to harbaugh as well coach harbaugh I mean, the, the the roster that they're playing with, very depleted, but they're still looking like I can't imagine what this team would look like completely healthy. It is terrifying what this team would look like without with all their starters. Yeah. But, you know, a, a lot of credit has to go to that. He game plan for for Herbert, you know, him and the defensive coordinator. They game plan for for Herbert and the Chargers uh, masterfully. This yeah. was a blowout, and I was not. I, I I picked the Chargers to win. I thought they'd at least make it competitive, but I mean the Ravens show that they're head and shoulders, you know, uh, uh, above the Chargers it just on just on play. And right now it's 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 Buffalo and Baltimore at the top of the AFC. So uh, and yeah, Baltimore definitely uh, definitely made some waves yesterday with that uh, with that state. I, I I would dare say that was a statement game for for yeah. the Ravens this year. They've had a good week. They've honestly had a good week. So, all right, let's uh, let's take a look at this play, and then we'll start to break it down, go over personnel and all that. Stop. And it looks like the Ravens are playing a sort of a zone coverage behind it. Third and three. That pass and is behind, unbobbled and almost grabbed by Eckler, but he couldn't hold on to it. Brandon Staley. All right. Back it up just a hair. There we go. All right. Brian, uh, let's go through the personnel and all that. Yep. So we'll come out in uh, 11 personnel. And the wrinkle that they put on this play is they motion Eckler out to the far side. Uh, As you saw from the play, that's where this pass is intended. And uh, right now... You know, Eckler is, you know, just just finishing getting out there in, uh, in motion, and it, it finishes off the, the trip set to the left, and then they have a bunch formation to the right, uh, with the tight end and the uh, H back roll, and to match that, uh, I know this is c- confusing, and, and you guys haven't heard this, but uh, the Ravens come out in a nickel, and they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna match up with uh, more linebackers on the field. And what I thought was unique on this play is Marlon Humphrey was almost traveling with Mike Williams a lot of times. And on this particular play, uh, and because it, it, it ends up being zoned, but um, uh, Marlon Humphrey takes Eckler, um, which is, a you know, once you watch the play, is a clear indicator that he was in zone coverage and that was just his responsibility there. But I want you to pay attention to the bottom of the defensive uh, formation when the play snaps um, and the wrinkle that they're going to give them. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to uh, bring a blitzer from one spot and drop a guy out from another. And it's just stuff that you have to do to confuse these elite uh, arm talent quarterbacks like Justin Herbert. You have to get them to slow down for a second. You can't let them stay in rhythm. And that's what ends up happening here. Now it is a throw 
uh, out to the sideline that should be easy. So uh, let, let's play this for a second, and uh, I'll try and get you to pause it um, on time. It, it, there's a little bit of a delay. so Yeah. All right. There we go. And it looks like the Ravens are playing a sort of a zone coverage behind it. Okay, pause. Yep. Okay. Uh, so it, it is a good first down conversion play. You know, Eckler just runs a simple curl route. Um, and the, the problem is that, you know, the pressure is coming from a spot that Herbert uh, isn't expecting. You thought that the right side uh, was going to be the side, the right side of the offensive line, that is, was going to be the side that saw the pressure. It actually comes from up the middle and to the left. And then the other thing that I think that he was anticipating is that he was going to be able to keep the coverage uh, off of Eckler because of the uh, three guys all staying on the left side of the formation. See, you can still see them there. Uh, So Eckler's obviously the man at the top, but then you have uh, Williams and I'm not sure who the other guy is there, but they are lined up almost on the logo there. And you probably as Herbert, you thought they were going to draw coverage away, which they do, but you didn't draw Humphrey away. He kept his eyes on Eckler the whole time. He can close on the ball. The ball doesn't get out as fast as he wanted it to, obviously, and it's not placed well at all. So uh, let, let's start this back up again. We'll play it in real time. Sure. Makes the stop. And it looks like the Ravens are playing a sort of a zone coverage behind it. Yeah, so right now, look, they're loaded on the on the you know the bottom of the screen, um, but then the pressure comes the from the opposite side. Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying here. They're they're right here on the right hand side of the offensive line. But you are right. Mm-hmm. This this left side is gets gets uh, congested very quickly. And it looks like mm-hmm. the Ravens. You can almost tell by the way that number fifty fifty six or whatever here is is aimed towards the middle. He's not even looking at Keenan. He's not even looking at Cook. Um, if that is Keenan Allen, it might be. Um, but the, look, I mean, look at this angle. That's a hard, that's a sharp look onto the inside. They're playing a sort of a zone coverage behind it. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Well, he backs off anyways, but, um, but yeah, they bring it, they bring it over here and the right side is, is pretty, I mean, there's a lot of space here, but this pocket collapsed like real quick. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, bobbles right off Eckler's hand. Um, Eckler did come in pretty hard to that route, but again, that that sh- that throw should have been uh, the timing was just very off. I think I think Herbert seen that edge rusher, a linebacker, or whatever the heck he was coming from the outside uh, from his no, left side. Yeah. And it looks like that, the Ravens are playing a sort of mechanics a z- in this particular throw. Um, but I also, you know, Marlon Humphrey was a dog in this game, man. He was yeah. everywhere. Yeah, he's had a, he's he was. Very, very. I, I know the Ravens defense definitely appreciates it. Coverage behind it. Yeah, I mean, look at that, right there. Nobody touched. Not even touched. And yeah. uh, Herbert has nobody to pick up the block. Obviously, they went spread offense. It was just well. I mean, well played by the Ravens D. Three, that pass yeah, Eckler came in a little bit before he started to cut back. I think the number forty-four threw him off a little bit. Yeah, I, Humphrey. Humphrey, yeah, Humphrey threw him off. Yeah, almost a pick. But it's hard to, you know, it's hard to extend drives. It's hard to win games and you can't make simple throws like that. And this is probably one of, I'm not going to say it's the worst game of Herbert's professional career so far. 
it is one of the it, it is one of the worst. There's no doubt about that. Um, he's still on the young side. People have to remember that. But um, but yeah, I think the Ravens defense definitely got in his head, shook him up a little bit, and he just was not the same guy uh, for yep. the remainder of the game. Could not get anything going. That was Herbert's twentieth start. Twentieth start. So yep. So there is that. Let's watch it play, unfold one more time, and we'll uh, get ready to close up shop here. And it looks like the Ravens are playing a sort of a zone coverage behind it. Third and three, that pass in is behind. Unbobbled and almost grabbed by Eckler, but he couldn't hold on to it. Brandon. So that is it, everybody. That is a wrap on this week's episode. Uh, Brian, is there anything you want to say in closing before we uh, we, we go home? Yeah. Um, if you have to put up a curtain rod... Uh, over your sink, uh, don't do it. Is a hazard. Words to the wise. Word, word yeah. from the wise. Word from the <laughs> wise. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's uh, film room. Of course, plenty of uh, two point conversation podcasts for you this week. Tomorrow, our discussion topics episode. Uh, Thursday, Thursday, our picks. Friday, NFL history, and Saturday, we have some. Fantasy football week seven. My word, season's flying by. All right. And up next, Ryan Hole Bailey joins me for our week seven waiver wire pickup. Uh, Ryan, I don't even know if I should ask you how you're doing. What's uh, uh yeah, I know. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm, all, I'm not all right. <laughs> no, that's a heartbreaker. That's a heartbreaker. We don't have to talk about that too much. Let's just get through these waiver wires and uh, we'll get through it. But all right. Uh, so, yeah, so week seven waiver wire. We're going to run through it. Uh, starting off with our quarterbacks, whose uh, availability. I mean, waiver wire is starting to get a little bit thin uh, yeah. right now, I think, as we as we speak. I know I'm going to need some quarterback with buys coming up. And uh, I'm not really looking forward to the options that are available. No, man, it's tough. I, I want to tell you Daniel Jones again, but he put up another goose egg and just not goose egg, but just a brutal performance. But against one of the best defenses in the league. But um, yeah, there's, dude, it's really, really thin out there. I mean, they're saying Jimmy Garoppolo's coming back to practice. I don't know if he's, that's someone who's going to take over for. He's supposed to start on for, Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he get a really good connection going with. Um, Debo Samuel there for a bit. So if he's available, that's probably your best option right now, to be honest. Yeah, that's kind of where um that's kind of where I'm leaning towards. Uh Derek Carr is another one who's kind of floating around there. He put up a good performance. And also uh Tua. If uh yeah. his ownership dropped considerably with the injury, he's put up a he put up a solid performance against Jacksonville on Sunday, and he's only rostered in twenty five point three percent of ESPN leagues. So uh, there is that. Also, Teddy B hasn't been that bad. Teddy B's another one who's kind of floating around there. 16.9% roster on ESPN. He's been throwing for a lot of yards. Yeah. I mean, he's been he's been throwing the ball like downfield a whole lot more than I've ever remembered him doing. And he's been doing it without um, Jerry Judy, too. So, and he should be coming back, not this week, but the I think the following week, Jerry Judy is supposed to come back too. So, yeah, so that's a good sign. So, but those are some guys to kind of maybe look forward to. 
Uh, Mac Jones has put up some decent performances, but nothing overwhelming. And he does uh, have the Jets next week, though. That that is that is uh, that is a good sign. That's definitely a good sign. But uh, other than that, yeah, waiver wire pretty thin. Jared Goff, I'm I'm completely just lost on. Uh, I, I there's no yeah. defend. I can't defend Jared Goff anymore as a fancy QB. So, all right, let's take a look at running backs. Up next, Kenyon Drake. Oh no, he's still got a pretty high ownership. It dropped off a little bit over the last week. It dropped fifteen point four percent, but I don't know. Not sure why he's a. He should be available in this one league. Well, actually, he's been pretty inconsistent. Yeah, he has. I will say, um, dude, Alex Collins has another huge game. So yes, yeah, definitely with, go and go, yeah, go and grab him for sure. Yeah, especially with Chris Carson on IR, so he's on at least two more weeks. And we all know, yeah. you know, Chris Carson injury history. Uh, it's he's kind of hot or cold. I, I think you kind of want you want Alex or yeah, you want Alex Collins with you. Um, r- regardless, other than that, running back, yeah, super super thin. Uh, I'm trying I to will say a, sneak, a, a, a deeper league name, uh, Chris Evans for the Bengals. I mean, we all know the injury history for Joe Mixon. Yes. Um, he's got a pretty long uh, resume there for him. And Chris Evans has been involved even with a healthy Joe Mixon. So if Joe Mixon was to go down again, I think Chris Evans is going to get a ton of opportunity. I agree. Also, somebody to keep an eye on. I will say this. Uh, Devontae Freeman has been was very active. Um, yeah was very active this past uh, Sunday against the Chargers. He's somebody I would keep an eye on. They use him a lot. He performed pretty well. Very, very explosive in that offense. I look out for Devontae Freeman. Maybe scoop him up, stash him away on your bench. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm that's kind of where I'm leaning at right now with running backs. It's, again, it's not very deep. It's just very sporadic um, yeah. points. I will say too, keep an eye on on. Um... Marlon Mack and Ronald Jones have been in the news um, yes. with, with with the trade deadline approaching. So if you have space, maybe stash them just in case, or you know, just keep put them on the watch list. But um, those are just some names that have been floated around when it comes to the to the trade deadline. No, that's uh, those are some good ones too, uh, no doubt. All right, so wide receiver up next. We got to look at wide receiver. Uh, the number one, I think. Uh, available in most leagues is Donovan Peoples Jones. He had uh yeah. easily his best performance uh, of in Jesus probably ever uh against Arizona career, this yeah. past weekend. But he's put up two decent weeks at least. He did he got tw- uh, well 12 points in this other league I'm in uh against the Chargers. So increased usage of course with the uncertainty of Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry still out if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones becomes a, a big target. However, you know, injuries to Baker Mayfield, does this affect this? I, I We're not sure yet. Case Keenum will probably be starting. Well, well, no, I shouldn't go ahead. I shouldn't say that. Baker said he wants to start a Thursday, but Case Keenum, there's a good chance right. that Case is there. But I, w- I would have to say that on this short week, especially with all the injuries that have hit Cleveland, that Donovan Peoples-Jones is a big roster pickup this week, only rostered by 1.2% of leagues. Uh, and ESPN. Yeah, I like that. Um, Tim Patrick as well, dude. He keeps scoring touchdowns. I yes. mean, if we if we talk about Teddy, then we definitely got to talk about um, Tim Patrick. He's been playing great, and so he's definitely still out there in the league. So, um, 
for sure. And I definitely like the Donovan Peoples Jones play too, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a couple, I think there's actually, it's more interesting at wide receiver than it is uh, for running back. I dare say AJ green still out there. Uh, 32.9% rostered. Rondell Moore too. Yes. Rondell Moore that, you know, these are all definite guys you got to look at. Uh, I'm not going to go the TY route, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not ready to go there. Uh, not, not quite yet, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of it for wide receivers. There's some big names out there. I guess some guys who should see increased usage. I am surprised that AJ Green's only rostered as much as he is, though. He's only really had... Right two bad weeks and that was week one and week uh week five so um i'm not getting that one and then uh i guess we can run through the tight ends really quick oj howard is alive and well but man ricky seals jones this ricky is, seals jones yeah yeah lo- i ended up starting him this week i picked him up off waivers not too shabby got some good usage um out of him again with with logan thomas out washington's you know the, the he should get some targets. He should get some beast targets and numbers. Zach Ertz too, if he's still out there. Yes. Yep. Yeah. He should be, he should be starting for Arizona this week. Another big time weapon. Not sure how they're going to utilize him in the system, but yeah, if, if Ertz is out there and available, uh, go and get him. Pet, Pet Fryermuth had a good game, uh, this week, but again, he's another one of those guys who is yeah. like, Oh, big Ben's throwing the ball. I don't know. And right. Eric Ebron still right. like de facto number tight end one as well. Yeah, no, he definitely is for sure. I mean, he had a rushing touchdown this week, so yeah, they, de- definitely is crazy. Um, and also, I would say, I would dare say that Moelle Cox is worth a grab at this point now too. He's had yeah. three solid weeks, nothing, uh, you know, over eight points at least with it with every single one of them. Um, he's starting to look like a favorite target of Carson's. He's got a touchdown. Uh, three touchdowns over the last three games. He had one touchdown against Houston, a um, a 28-yard touchdown reception. And, uh, yeah, Moelle Cox, I think, is worthy of a pickup. But uh, that's pretty much it. That's all I got. Uh, right, as far yeah. as – is there anything else, you, uh, any guys you're looking at for tight end? No, not really. I think that's also super, super thin. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Remember, episodes throughout the week, Monday through uh, Saturday. And I'm EF of Brian, Ryan, and I. Till next time, the two point conversation is good. Thank you.